Okay, so uh, we have been in the book of 1 John, and we were there for a little while. And we're still there some. Riker, can you not do that? Thanks. We were in the book of John. Now everybody looks at Riker and everybody looks at me. All right, we were in the book of 1 John, and it was great, and it's still great. It's going to be great long after we're all gone, and we're still going to be there. But a couple days ago, I read an article online, and it just like hit me, and I was like, man, I have got to talk about this with the students. I have got to preach on this. And then yesterday was election day. Okay? Not the controversial Romans 9 election, which we should definitely talk about, but the just as controversial everybody in the world election, which we will also talk about. And so for me at PVN, I'm just like, hey, the Bible is at its best. Okay, So follow me here. The Bible is at its best, and it's always great, but the Bible is at its best when it plugs God's truth directly into what's going on in our lives. Does that make sense? The Bible is at its best when it plugs into God's truth that is directly when it plugs God's truth into what is directly going on in our lives. Okay? So we're going to talk about that tonight, okay? So we know we've talked about oh, Ryan, we've talked about it before. Yes, we have. And you know what we're going to do next year? We're going to talk about it again. And you know what we're going to do the next year? We're going to talk about it again because this is super important. And you guys are in church for like an hour a week, right? But you're with your family and you're with your friends and you're at your school or your home or whatever all week, right? All week. You're only here one time. So we're going to talk about it multiple times. Cool? So tonight, we're going to talk about every mom and grandma and Facebook's favorite thing. Let's talk about politics, right? Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. All right. We're here. Um, so let's talk about politics. It's already going way better than I thought it was. Like all the kids are like, yes. And all the adults are like, no, 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 no. Okay. So Mark chapter three, if you have a Bible, scroll or turn to Mark chapter three. We're going to do some Bible hopping tonight. So be sure you're stretched out. Okay, and we're going to go there tonight. Like, where are we going to go? We're going to go there, okay? And I'm stoked for it. All right, here we go. So, uh, Mark 3, okay, you're the man. Mark 3, verse 6, this is about Jesus, okay? Oh, we're all on the same page. Nothing too controversial yet. So this is about Jesus, and this is two groups of people, okay? Huh, two groups, almost like today with it. Anyway, so two groups of people, this is how they feel about Jesus, okay? Let's look to the board. The Pharisees, this is Mark 3, 6. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel or met with. The Pharisees went out and immediately met with the Herodians against Jesus on how to destroy him. So the Pharisees and the Herodians are meeting to talk about how they can kill Jesus, okay? Now, here's why this is important, okay? Let's talk. And now, listen, this is super important. you got to let me finish, all right? Because I'm going to say some stuff, and you're going to be like, oh, and I love that. And then we're just going to keep going, okay? And I'll finish. You'll be like, oh. So just, just shut your mouth and hang in with me, okay? So here we go. The Pharisees are one group that wants to kill Jesus, right? I love having you here because you can be like, let's go, baby. You're going to love it. So, all right, the Pharisees, everybody looks around and now everybody's looking back at me. So, the Pharisees are heavy traditionalists, all right? This group of people that wants to kill Jesus is heavy traditionalists. They're extremely conservative followers of ancient Judaism and the Old Testament, okay? 
somewhere, somebody's aunt on Facebook is like, what? Like they've already been triggered. So they almost always, in the, in the New Testament, they almost always come after Jesus for breaking what they see as the Jewish law. They want to preserve the old Jewish law. They want to conserve it, and not just conserve it, they want to bring it back, right? And they hated Roman rule, being ruled by the Romans, but also Roman culture, this pagan culture, this new culture, breaking in, changing the way things are. Why, why should we change anything? Everything's already great the way it is. They wanted the, the, the Pharisees wanted the Messiah, their Messiah, their leader, is going to come and take Israel and make it the way it used to be. And make things the way it used to be before all these other people came in and corrupted it. Okay? That's what the Pharisees wanted. That's what they want from Jesus. But he's not going to give it to them, so they hate him for it. To usher in the good old days where right was right and wrong was wrong. And they couldn't wait till their Messiah came because he's going to take Israel and restore it to look right at me. He's going to take Israel and restore it. He's going to take Israel and he's going to make Israel great again. And it's going to be amazing and we can't wait, okay? And you know they become so obsessed with this vision, so obsessed with this vision and bringing things back to the way they should be that they kill Jesus. They become so obsessed with their vision of restoring their country to the way things used to be, of getting rid of all the new and keeping everything the way it is, that they destroy Jesus. And they're, but they're meeting with the Herodians. What can you, you can see it in the name. What king do you think the Herodians like? They like Herod, my theologians. They worship King Herod, the Roman ruler. Okay, This is the total opposite end of the aisle. They worship the Roman rule, the bringer in of a new era. We don't need the old ways with God. We like the way things are now. They were much more liberal in their theology okay, and, and probably in their lifestyle as well. They liked the new pagan way of doing things. They were wild. They were crazy. It's the 60s. We love it. And they wanted nothing to do with conservative, traditional Pharisees. They wanted nothing to do with them. They're boring. Their ways are old. Their time is over. This is the new. This is cool. This is now. It's great. That's what they wanted. These Now follow me. Look, look. This is super important. These people, these two groups of people have literally nothing in common except they both hate Jesus. Nothing in common except Jesus butts into both of their political agendas. Now, am I saying that Republicans are Pharisees? No. Am I saying that Democrats are Herodians? No, like don't go to school tomorrow and tell your like, Democrat friend, like, oh, you're such a Herodian. They're going to not know what that is. It's, it sounds gross a little bit. Like, don't do that, okay? But, now listen, but listen, but in this time, Follow, look at me. In this time that you guys are growing up in, when we are so desperate to stick a donkey or an elephant on the front of our Bibles, it would do us some good to see what the Bible actually says. Does that make sense? In this day and age where we are so desperate to stick Jesus on our team, on our political platform, and stick our Bibles there, let's look at what the Bible actually says. In Joshua chapter 5, okay? Take a beat. I would want you to turn there if you can. In Joshua chapter 5, okay, Joshua is leading Israel against the Canaanites, 
okay? A wicked group of people. They're evil. Um, they deserve death. And this is really important. Now listen, this is really important. The Canaanites are wrong. Their group, their party, their side, they're wrong. The Canaanites are wrong. And suddenly, this angel of the Lord's army, okay, appears before Joshua in Joshua 5.13. The angel of the Lord appears to Joshua, who represents Israel, the good guys. And this is what happens in Joshua 5.13-14. Now, when Joshua was by Jericho... He looked up and saw a man in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. This is the angel of the Lord, okay? Joshua went up to him and said, Are you for us or for our adversaries? Think about putting God in a box. Think about putting God on your team and being so desperate to put God on your team that if he gets in the way, he's no longer necessary. Are you for us or are you for our adversaries? Verse 14 And he said, no. Are you for us or are you for our adversaries? No, he says. But as commander of the Lord's army, I have come. Then Joshua fell face down on the ground in reverence and says, what message does my Lord have for his servant? Joshua essentially looks at God and says, whose side are you on? And God says, excuse me? Now the Canaanite, now listen, but here's why this is important. Because there is a right side here. The Canaanites are wrong, twisted, and evil. So why doesn't the Lord just say, well, Joshua, of course I'm on your side. Because God knows where that leads. And maybe for a second, we need to remember that God is smarter than we are, that his ways are better than ours. And Joshua, by asking the question, that shows When we become obsessed with our side, we will do anything to keep it, even if that means going after God himself. Joshua is so obsessed with his side. Now, the Canaanites are wrong. They're wrong. The problem is not that Israel's beliefs are wrong. That's not the problem. Israel's beliefs are right. The problem is their sinful hearts have taken their right beliefs which God gave them, and they've become bitter and resentful and hateful about them. They've become so obsessed with their rightness, with their correctness, that it's poisoning their hearts. One theologian says that the Bible... I told you this is at beach camp, right? One theologian says that our hearts are idol factories. I-D-O-L. A factory builds stuff, right? Our hearts can take even good things, like correct political beliefs, and turn those good things into an idol, into something we worship more than God. The next book of the Bible after Joshua is Judges, okay? Is Judges. And I know some of the church kids were like, oh, it's Judges. We're Judges. I saw you in a rose. Israel, we're in the book of Judges. The book of Judges is not like like a fairy tale, like fist pump, things are going great. Judges gets worse and worse and worse. Israel selects Foolish leader after corrupt leader after foolish leader. And the book of Judges works in cycles where each cycle gets worse and worse and worse. Why does Israel keep selecting these awful leaders and following them? Because they don't care about the heart of their leader as long as they win. Why does Israel keep following sinful leaders? Because they don't care about the heart of their leader 
as long as they win. And Judges spirals every single cycle. Ahud, Gideon, Deborah, and on. And in worse and worse, do you, know, do you guys know who the last judge in the book of Judges is? Do you guys know who this is? He's the famous one. Who's the super strong one? You're there, Samson. This is the last judge in the book of Judges. Now follow this, listen. In the book of Judges, the book begins and ends with this statement. There was no king in Israel, so everyone did what was right in his own eyes. You remember that? There's no king in Israel. So because of the judges, everyone does what's right in his own eyes. What happens to Samson before he dies? Both of his eyes are what? His eyes are removed. Specifically his eyes. Samson is the embodiment of these people who only do what is right according to their own eyes. And his eyes are put out for it to show this is where this leads. When you don't care about the heart of your leader, you just care whether or not you win, it poisons everything. Please don't tell me the Bible doesn't apply to your daily life. This is all, this is today. It would also do us really good, let's go to the New Testament now, to remember this guy named Simon the Zealot. You guys know who this is? Simon the Zealot. To be zealous for something is to be madly passionate about it. Madly passionate about it. Like weirdly passionate about it. Okay, Simon the Zealot was so dedicated to bringing Israel back to the way it was that that became his identity. That's why he's called that. It's his name. Do you follow me? Everything he thought about consumed him with this idea of bringing Israel back to the way it was. Listen to me. Is that what you're known for in school? Is that what your family's reputation is in the community? Being so in love with conservative values that people don't know you're also in love with Jesus. Does that make sense? And the other side has their things that they're working through as well, but look, I'm, whatever, I know who I'm talking to. Do you follow me here? Being so in love with your side's core values, which is okay, just like Joshua and Israel's views were right. But he was so in love with being right that he, he had the gall to look at God and say, whose side are you on? His heart has become poisoned by even his good values, but since they're good values, we don't think it's a bad thing. So there's Simon the Zealot, this conservative, crazy man. But we also have Matthew or Levi. It's okay. We're all right. We're all on the same page. Matthew or Levi. How is it that the church kid is ruining my sermon over here? All right, listen. Matthew or Levi. So you got Simon the Zealot, right? You have Matthew or Levi. These are church kids. What's Matthew's job? He's a what? You remember this? Ooh, go ahead and talk to Eric. All right. Good, Gus. It's always, yeah. Matthew or Levi, listen, they're tax, he's a tax collector. So you've got this guy, listen, who's taking money from oppressed Israel and stuffing his pockets and giving the money to Rome. He's a rich, wait for it, empowered, wait for it, privileged, wait for it, elite. That's who he is. He's this rich elite, the very type of person conservatives want nothing to do with. Do you know what Simon the Zealot and Matthew the tax collector both have in common? They are both chosen by Jesus to be his disciples. Both of them are chosen from the fringes of their... Talk about different political views. 
Like Simon's probably beat people up for his beliefs. Matthew has probably thrown people in jail because of his beliefs. And Jesus chooses both. Like, can you imagine what lunch, like, like breaking the loaves and the fish or whatever, and like Simon and Matthew are over there in the corner, like arguing about politics or what? And Jesus is like, oh my gosh, you missed it again. Do you know what I'm saying? Like over and over and over. Like they're both, and I could just see Simon be like, like before Matthew gets included in the group, Simon's like, I don't see how anybody could vote Roman and be a follower of Jesus. And Jesus being like, well, let's go to lunch and meet this new guy. Like you can just see it. You can totally just see it. Here's the last part of this. Here's the last part of this. And we're, we're getting out early, so amen. I really am a prophet. All right, last part of this. Mark 12, in Mark 12, they ask Jesus. You guys know this one. In Mark 12, uh, it's around like verse 15. In Mark 12, they ask Jesus, and I don't know where it is, Brad guy, but you got it. They say, should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? That's what they ask Jesus. Should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? In other words, again, Jesus, pick a side. Should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? Pick a side. Whose side are you on? Just like Joshua did thousands of years before. Listen, which shows us, listen, human nature across the ages has this tendency to do what we call polarize. Human nature has this tendency to polarize. Think of the South Pole and the North Pole the two most opposite ends of the earth. That's what we do as humans. We have our side, and our side doesn't just become this thing that we can loosely hold. It's what what we are all about. Remember when Paul says, some of you say you're of Paul, some are of Apollos, some are of Peter. They're the apostles. They all do miracles. Like, can we not just like them all? No, because human nature, we have to grow. We take what we like and what we enjoy, and we worship it. We make it an idol. Human nature has this tendency to polarize, this tendency to say, I'm on this side and I don't care what anyone else says. And we just blindly follow that side and we make excuses for our side and we demonize the other side. Politics didn't cause this split. Human nature does. If it wasn't politics, it'd be something else. Have you ever put two fans of the SEC in the same room of different... Like, we're going to pick our things, right? We're going to pick our things. In Mark 12, to this fractured, split group, Jesus says, Give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Which means that, listen to me, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Caesar was the ruler of the government. Give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, which means give to the government what you should. Give the government the attention that it deserves. Christians don't get to hide their head in the sand when it comes to politics. We don't. That's not maturity. It's cowardice. It's disobeying the Lord. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. However, nowhere in there does it say that you have to vote. Cool? Nowhere in there does it say that. But it does say to give to the government what is due. To give it the attention it deserves. You don't get, we don't, listen, look right at me. As Christians, we don't get to just check out. We do not get to do that. It's not, that's not enlightened of us. It's immature of us. It's avoiding the difficult thing, which is what our Lord does not do. Listen to me. And I know, it's like, okay, Ryan, I'm in seventh grade. I have no idea what you're talking about. I, there's new, there's, I just would like to 
go eat Cheez-Its and relax. And I get that. That's my mood like half of my life, and I'm in my 30s. So, but listen to me. Listen, look right at me. Look right at me. As your generation watches America tear itself apart politically, as your generation watches America blindly vote for men and women on both sides who are politically unqualified, ethically evil, and hypocritical. Listen to me. I hope you see why it really is a good thing that God stopped Joshua. That it's a good thing that God stopped Joshua. That when Joshua said, what side are you on? Just like today, God said what the church needs to say, which is, whoa, Joshua, I know where this leads. God is telling Joshua, you need to worship me more than what side you're on. And when we worship God more than what side we're on, we start to seize through some of that foolishness. Look at Mark 12, 15 to 17. Look at Mark 12, 15 to 17. And it says this, But knowing their hypocrisy, which is huge. Knowing their hypocrisy, Jesus says, Why do you put me to the test? Bring me a denarius, which is a coin. Bring me a coin and let me look at it. Next. And they brought him one. That's great. And they brought him one. And he says to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said, Caesar's. Now pause. The coin has Caesar's face on it. Just like the penny has Lincoln's face on it. And the quarter has wife. Same thing. It has his, it has his likeness or, or his image. It's like the coin was made in his image. That's weird. Okay, next verse, 17. Jesus said to them, Then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. Now listen, the coin belong, listen to me. The coin belongs to Caesar because it was made in his image. The coin belongs to Caesar. Because it was made in his image. And whose image are you made in? God's image. Which means that is who you ultimately belong to. Whichever way you vote or don't vote. In Mark 12, Jesus tells these people, listen, render to Caesar what is Caesar's. Which means you need to be involved politically and you need to love me more than you love which side you're on. You could be a Republican, but you don't belong to them. You could be a Democrat, but you don't belong to them. That's where you're really wrong. Does that make sense? Which means it's possible to be right in your values and be wrong in your religion. You don't have to make excuses for your side anymore because your side is not whose image you were made in. You don't have to continually cover for your side while demonizing the other because they don't define you just like Joshua. Joshua's side was Israel. He was on the right side. I think in politics today, there are clearly right and wrong on some of these issues. It's, it's like obvious. I'll throw out abortion. I think it's obvious. Brian and I were talking about this earlier. I think it's blatantly obvious where we should stand when it comes. I mean, I don't think I'm like shaking the ground by saying that. Like You guys know where I am on that. There are right and wrongs on this. Listen to me. Joshua's side was the right side. But he was letting his Israelite status define him. When the whole point of being an Israelite is that God defines you. Here's what's interesting. This is why history is so cool. So just hang, there's not going to be a quiz. Just relax. Story time. Okay. You know what's interesting? 
In 18, you're going to be like, this is not interesting, but whatever. In 1804, I have the microphone, you don't deal with it. In 1804, Alexander Hamilton is killed by Aaron Burr in a duel. And then they sing, just like in, I'm just kidding. So he's killed by Aaron Burr in a duel, right? So listen, follow this. The two men, Hamilton and Burr, were also members of two different political parties. Did you know that? Members of two different political parties. Hamilton was what was called a Federalist. Burr was what's called a Democratic-Republican. They were two different political parties. Their duel, in a way, shows where that kind of political hatred can lead. Does that make sense? One of them killing the other shows where that political hatred can lead. Now listen, political differences are not the problem. Political differences lead to flourishing. We need people with different ideas than us. That's how the country was founded in the first place. Those guys fought like cats and dogs. And now we have what we have. Political differences lead to flourishing. Political hatred leads to death. But here's what happens. See, dueling at that time, or gunfighting or whatever, dueling was outlawed in the United States already. It was already illegal what they were doing, which is why they had to do it so early in the day. But it was still happening all over the country. And then these two famous people are destroyed by this duel. But here's what happens. Hamilton was a Federalist. And he was literally murdered by a member of the other political party. There's your ammo if you're a Federalist. A Democrat, don't be a Democratic Republican. He literally killed another guy. You really want to be that? Federalist pastors, instead of using that opportunity to destroy Democratic Republicans, they condemned Burr's actions and Hamilton's. A member of their own party. Think about it. Of all the opportunities they had to destroy the Democratic Republicans, this is it. One of them just killed another member of your own party. But instead, these pastors said that nobody who agrees to a duel should be allowed to hold public office, regardless of their political party. These brave pastors held their political party and their political hero accountable for his actions. I know you like, can't even imagine people doing that today, but it happened hundreds of years ago. People held their political leaders responsible instead of making excuses for them. And listen, here's what happens. They realized that both men, regardless of their party, had disobeyed the laws of God, and they refused to sweep it under the rug. These men did what God did with Joshua and what Jesus did with the Pharisees, and as a result, the country, instead of tearing itself apart... The American public not only agreed that dueling should be outlawed, but their hearts were changed as well. Their hearts were changed. Can you imagine if a member of one political party challenged the other one today to a, I'm sure it's happened behind closed doors, but whatever, challenged them to a gunfight and one of them killed the other one? But these pastors, instead of choosing sides, they chose the law of God instead. Listen, I'm going to close here. We are so desperate to change political parties in our nation every year through voting that we forget about the heart of the nation, which is in the church. The heart of a people that worships God and lets that worship influence our political decisions, not our party line. Twelve days ago, oh, come on. All right, twelve days ago, Nancy Pelosi's 82-year-old husband was attacked in his home by a man who said he was on a suicide mission to break her kneecaps. 
I don't agree with a lot of Nancy Pelosi's politics, but her husband is the same age as my grandma. And I don't know all my grandma's political beliefs, but I know she doesn't deserve to be attacked for it. You know how many so-called Christians have made jokes about this? How many Christian idiots, I choose that word carefully, have made jokes about this? Let me ask you something. In Luke 22, the high priest and his group, his party, is there to kill Jesus. Talk about being on the wrong side. Talk about a political party that got it wrong. The Romans are there to kill Jesus. And Peter attacks one of the men and cuts his ear off. You remember this story? What is Jesus' response when that person is attacked? Well, that's what you get when you serve a fool. That's what you get for choosing the wrong party. No, Jesus heals this guy. You know, that story is in all four Gospels. Jesus healing the man's ear specifically is in all four Gospels. It's almost like God really wants you to see this. Jesus in Matthew tells Peter to put up his weapon. He says, God will handle this, Peter. And by putting down your sword, that shows that you trust him. Logging out of your freaking Facebook account will show that you trust him. Stop posting about it on Instagram will show that you trust him. Jesus, in, in John, he heals the man. The man who is part of the wrong group. One of the reasons he gets attacked is because he's part of the wrong group. And Jesus heals this guy. Where is that attitude among Christians politically? Does that make sense? Where is that attitude? No, Jesus, you can't heal him if you just heal him. He's going to take advantage of you. It's going to get, and that's exactly what he does. Jesus heals the Roman guy, and you know what the Roman guy does? Just keeps being a Roman. Just keeps getting it wrong. Just keeps ruining it, breaking everything down. But you know who's not going to be held accountable for that? Jesus. And in the same way, guys, if we claim to be Christians, you guys just wait till the presidential election. I'm going to tear a hole in this place. If we don't have this attitude... In our politics, it's never, it's never going to get better. It's never going to get better. If every time someone votes for someone that you didn't vote for and you treat them as some leper, some crazy fool, it's never going to get better. I'm not saying, remember, Joshua was right. The Israelite side was right. That's not the problem. I'm not saying you got to change your political beliefs and endorse what the other side's everything about what they say. I'm not saying that at all. But this heart that was willing to tell other Federalists, no, no, Hamilton was wrong too. That's what healed America. This, this God stepping in and saying, no, 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 Joshua, this is wrong. It kept Israel from tearing itself apart. And I know that you guys are too young to vote and stuff, but listen, not for long. You guys are one generation away from being the deacons and the Sunday school teachers and the leaders. Like, you guys are one generation away. And I know some of you aren't getting this at home. I know you're not. So i got to give it to you here as best I can. This is not the way. It's not going to get better if we don't 
You see what I'm saying? Does that make sense? So important, man. So important. But again, it's not okay to just check out. Be as involved as you can, right? But be as like Christ as you can. You follow me? You guys are awesome. All right.